0: Dreaming about teaming up with a superhero? Heartbroken about the latest comic death? Do you find your conversations always turning to Marvel? Then welcome Marvelites to your therapy session. Join your hosts as we explore the realms of the Marvel universe, taking you into new insights, movie reviews, and debates. Here, we won't try to cure any obsessions, but fuel them because the world is better nerdy. Welcome to your Marvel therapy group.
1: Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Marvel Therapy Group. We have, rather, just me today, I'm I'm Joe. Um, so I have a really awesome topic for you today. We're talking about museums, essentially, and the possibility of Marvel props and products going into museums, that whole process. We're just, we're talking about how museums and marvel relate to one another so i have a very special guest for today's episode this is caitlin and she is a master's student at the george washington university In let me get this right caitlin anthropology but specializing in museum Museum studies museum training all right very official i interned at the smithsonian if that
2: gives me any, like, sort of authority on the subject right, over yeah.
1: the summer. I, I think it does. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Alright.
2: So, you said that you had some questions. You can start with those. Okay. A bunch of my weird
1: points. <laughs> sure, yeah. I'll start. So, I googled some things about, you know, Marvel and museums, because yeah. I went to school for Aquaculture and biology, not museums and anthropology. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to read up a little bit, and I found that I'd actually heard of this, but there was it's like a traveling museum exhibit, Marvel Universe of Superheroes, and it used to be in Seattle at the Museum of Pop Culture.
2: Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Formerly the EMP. Oh. There since it was the EMP Museum. And what does that but stand I, for? I saw that there. I think when or something
1: very similar. <laughs> you saw that exhibit or
2: something very similar. They always have something like science fiction, superhero Oh, that's really They're, cool. Like, yeah.
1: So I guess I should, um, iterate that we like Marvel therapy groups, not sponsored by any of the museums we're going to mention. So free publicity to these museums. Yeah. yeah. Um, so wait, what was the EMP?
2: used to be the Experience Music Project Museum in Seattle Um, and I haven't been there in years but they've changed their name a whole bunch of times apparently So I was actually looking for stuff earlier because I was like that would be a great museum to have been so I know that they have had like comic book related things in the past and then the first like result was oh they changed their name again (laughs) (laughs) but yeah because I remember when I went there like back in high school then, but they had like a whole thing about like I mean their whole thing is pop culture so they do a lot of things from like fantasy movies science fiction movies and TV shows so they have like everything there's gonna be a museum that talks about the comic books like that's the one that's gonna be able to talk about like everything
1: is this have you heard about this museum or is it like an extension off of that museum
2: I, it's the same museum I think they just changed
1: their name Oh okay.
2: Because it wasn't really just about music anymore. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, it, most of it isn't music anymore, so they've changed. Like the website's still exactly the same, <laughs> and like their fantasy worlds exhibit is still very similar. They have some of the same things. Because I was looking at the website, I think it's just the museum. Yeah. That changed. That sounds their, really cool. The name of their store in the airport.
1: <laughs> that sounds really cool. I want to go there.
2: It's really cool. I would recommend it. And especially, we have a friend that is moving to Oregon. Go visit him. Make him drive you to Seattle.
1: Okay. (laughs) I've always wanted to visit Seattle.
2: Yeah. It's an excuse.
1: I think because of the rain, too. It always rains, and I love the rain.
2: Yeah. Actually, of all the times I've been there, it's only rained once. (laughs) Which I think is really funny. But I also tend to go there in June, which is like their one month that it doesn't rain a lot. So.
1: But um, I think the Museum of Pop Culture, that's a good name. It's just...
2: Yeah.
1: It's, it's all-encompassing, and... Yeah. like Yeah, you know what it's, it's about. It's
2: much better, and it makes more sense than, like, the EMP Experience Music Project Museum. Right, that, like, especially
1: because EMP, like an EMP bomb, knocks out yeah. electricity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was my first thought.
2: <laughs> so, they've switched it up, which is good. But yeah, I actually was like
1: looking through their stuff because I was like, they've definitely done something. Uh-huh. Fun fact. Off topic, but fun fact. I first learned what an EMP bomb was as a kid when I was playing X-Men Legends 2 Age of Apocalypse on the GameCube because one of the first levels you play is in Genosha after been attacked by Apocalypse. And like you find these uh, recordings from the planes that have fallen and crashed and everyone, all the pilots are like, he dropped an EMP bomb! It's like, oh, cool. It's like, oh, I don't know what that is. (laughs) They're like, why would he sacrifice his own army? His ships are falling too. Uh,
2: That's so funny. That's like such a weird connection.
1: That game's probably so old it it could be in a museum.
2: Yeah.
1: Although I still play. I was at a
2: museum over the summer in York that had a Nintendo DS Lite, the light pink one. And I was like, oh.
1: I had one of those. No. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> it's
2: in a museum now. I feel old.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: I, I mean, it was specifically a thing about, like, toys, so it made sense, but I was like, I don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like this being in a history museum context. Mm-mm, no thanks.
1: Yeah. So do you know what the qualifications are for something to be in a museum? Because I feel like there's a stigma where it's, they're old things.
2: Yeah, so it kind of depends on the museum. I can talk a little bit at least about how the anthropology department at at Ethel History will acquire things. So we're not actively going out and like grabbing things anymore. Not like
1: Um, Indiana Jones. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
2: But there are like, at least for the ethnographic collections, some of the anthropology stuff, like you still get get things um, specifically like paleo Anthropology, like archaeology related, um, because there's a very active we know they paleo thing. there's a lot. Um, but at least for the ethnology part of things, which is like modern <laughs> it's what people are doing now. Um, if like comes to visit and they want to donate something to the museum, basically like we'll take it we'll be, the museum will take it. Uh, not every Part of the Smithsonian operates like that. Uh, Anthropology is just very much like, oh yes, we want you things. <laughs> hmm. Everything's valuable. Um, but I know the art museums usually they go out and buy pieces. So they like at least the Hirshhorn. I um, was talking to the guy who runs like their storage facility because it's all part of the same big like warehouse building. Um, and we got to talk to him for a bit, and he was saying that the Hirshhorn purchases items. Um, also, that's the thing. Anthropology, art department never gets rid of anything unless it's being um, uh But like art museums will auction things off to create more space. Um, other museums, like art museums in particular, I think will take. They'll like commission things that they want to put in the museum in their space. Um, I know NMAI American Indian commissions artists now to bring in like modern contemporary Native American artists. So it kind of depends on the museum, like what qualifies a museum worthy oh, okay. and what the museum wants to have. But yeah.
1: So do you think So
2: different places of uh, different like processes for
1: that? Is there a distinction in museums between like an anthropology museum and a history museum?
2: Um, I don't know about, like, the whole museum world, but yeah, there's definitely, so, an anthropology museum will have a very different, like, mission statement than a history museum usually. Um, there's a lot of overlap, I would say, between anthropology museums and history museums because a lot of anthropology collections aren't really contemporary anymore. It's not, like, the best word, but most things that are in anthropology collections were collected in like the 1800s or early 1900s at least that's the case for the smithsonian so it's not necessarily things that people still use for a variety of reasons um but yeah so it's the line can get blurred between history a lot Uh, but if you're looking at smithsonian in particular the museums that are more focused on history have very specific Types of histories that they're trying to display. So the is specifically focusing on the history of African Americans in the U.S., Meanwhile American history, which is right next door, is like they're looking for very specific things to display. So they, you know, what's all the presidents, like first ladies' dresses and all of that. Type of thing. They actually had um, this isn't Marvel related, but they had
1: like a Batmobile
2: from like the Adam West Batman series yeah just in the basement and they had something for Superman too um but so they'll occasionally have like big things and they have one exhibit that's all about like pop culture type things um,
1: the, the audio had cut out a little bit Max- which museum is this
2: uh American History
1: okay the Smithsonian one yeah yeah Yeah.
2: so they had some I don't know if they still have a while since I've been in, but they have, um, yeah, they had that meal and stuff, so it all kind of depends on the museum and what they want to talk about. It's all very broad. Museums are very, like, <laughs> loosey-goosey in some ways in terms of, like, the things that they get.
1: Wow. I've never heard yeah. a museum be described as <laughs> loosey-goosey. <laughs>
2: Yeah, because there's not really, like, one set standard for, like, what a museum will take, really, that's, like, across all museums, because it's, like, every museum can be so different in terms of, like, what they want to display and what they want to talk about, so.
1: So, if I found a Marvel-themed museum, Mm -hmm. and if their policy was just, like, if they weren't actively searching for things, their policy was to take things that are given to them, I could just walk in with my collection of Marvel posters and be like, Hey, you want these? Even though I just picked it up at like five that's below.
2: that's <laughs> their policy, yeah. And that was, um, Anthropology's policy for a long time. And it's still kind of is like, if somebody showed up and was like, I want you to take these things, they would be like, Oh yes, yes. Thank you. We will take these things. We don't really have space for them, but we will take them.
1: <laughs> so would they, is there a storage or do they put everything out?
2: yeah so the way that and i can really only speak from smithsonian experience but the vast majority of objects especially in anthropology are primarily in storage so the way that the smithsonian stores things is most of the things that the smithsonian owns are all housed off-site in um this big warehouse that's huge um so most of the museums have stuff there uh anthropology takes up um, we have three pods that are technically like primarily anthropology and those are all like the size of a football field. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot, anthropology has a lot of things. Um, and then there's another one that's oversized storage that also has a lot of anthropology things. So um, most of the things at Brooklyn Museum is especially the, the display.
1: Sorry, Caitlin, the audio cut out again there. Most okay. of the things... Yeah.
2: So most of the things, especially in larger museums, won't be on display for a variety of reasons. So not everything in a collection will necessarily be, like, display-worthy. Or it's not necessarily something that people think should be on display. Sometimes it's something that a community wouldn't want to have on display. Um, Sometimes it's something that most people probably won't find very interesting. So we have a lot of rocks, lots of stone tools that just look like rocks that I'm sure would not be very exciting for somebody who's traveled all the way to Washington DC to come to the natural history museum and just see rock piles.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. And this is where we get but, things like in the second net of the museum movie where he yeah, goes like Yeah,
2: it's not the way that the museum de- that that movie depicts it. It's not all underneath. I'm right.
1: Sorry to
2: say there's no tunnels <laughs> that connect all of the museums together. I wish there was, because then you wouldn't have to go out into the summer heat. But, (laughs) unfortunately, (laughs) we don't have a tunnel system that stores everything. But yeah, so most of it is, like, not kept, even necessarily in the museum.
1: Mm -hmm. So going back to that um, Marvel exhibit, the Marvel Universe of Superheroes, which used to be housed at the... Museum of pop culture in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, it looks like it's now at the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia. Ew. And, uh, looks like they've really hyped it up. Tickets for adults are only $30, which for like that's
2: not terrible for a visiting exhibit. That's
1: what I was thinking for, um, because it said at the, at the museum of pop culture, this exhibit brought in 300,000 <laughs> people a year yeah so you'd think with something of that like with this um notoriety and prestige that draws in so many people it'd be more expensive but yeah thirty dollars i would definitely pay that well
2: and that's just the adult ones yeah and that's only for like daytime hours right big, have different things for the evenings it's cheaper
1: oh you're right evening hours twenty dollars
2: yeah that's definitely that's like not terrible at all. Like, I've been to temporary units that are, like, without student discounts, because I take advantage of student discounts everywhere. That um, have definitely been, like, more than that.
1: Yeah. So, on their webpage, it says just added the iconic shield of Captain America, in parentheses Chris Evans, from the 2019 record crushing film Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame. And wow. I, this is one of the things I was going to talk about. I thought one of our topics could be <laughs> like picking out certain props from the MCU and be like, do you think that would ever be in a museum?
2: Yeah. One of the ones I
1: was going to bring up was Captain America's shield, but I did not I'm think it would be in a museum so soon.
2: fast? Yeah. That seems like crazy fast.
1: Especially the one Especially, from Endgame.
2: Yeah. Like, I mean for them. Like I'm sure that that is a draw in and of itself. Yeah, just having that because I know um, the mock American, African American history and culture had. Uh, they had a really like tiny visiting thing about Black Panther, and they had the suits in the movie, and that was their one big prop. Like,
1: oh, they had history. a real suit.
2: Yeah, they had one of the suits that Chadwick Boseman himself wore. Yeah, um, that's interesting. I would have thought had, that was all CGI. They had a script um, that was signed by the director and some of the producers. And also some uh, photos of production, which I thought was really cool to actually like have them there. Uh, another thing about Black Panther, at least... Uh, African art here, the Smithsonian one, had a, a, it was technically an exhibit. It was like, right when you came in, they had a movie playing that was basically about all of the like, movie. It was like a five minute long video clip. But it was about all of the different um, like African art and designs and clothing that had inspired costume design in the movie, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool. So yeah, I definitely think like the big Ticket items are the stuff that, like, those are kind of your most obvious things that I would say would end up in museum collections or on display. Yeah. For whatever reason, like Captain America's Shield. Obviously,
1: Captain yeah. Suit, an Iron Man suit, I would say. Um, but I think. For most of them, I think the suit would be the thing. But I feel like that's where it gets tricky because most of the time the suit is CGI.
2: Yeah. I was like, how, what would you do for the Hulk? Like, if you were going to do a whole thing, like, about the Avengers. Yeah. Like, you can't have a Hulk
1: costume. Or so even... You there? Or even the Black Widow costume. I mean, yeah. it's... I heard that she had... Like, it was made for her every day. She had to be sewn into that skin-tight yeah. outfit. So, like, then she'd have to be cut out of it, I, I imagine, if she's sewn in. So... They probably don't keep those
2: yeah i would assume not but i mean disney does weird stuff so <laughs> they might have it stored in that vault with Walt disney's head for all i know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that would be and especially trying to display something like that so that somebody had to be cut out of yeah but that would be really hard to like you'd have to sew it onto the mannequin that you were going oh, to display oh
1: that's you. true yeah. yeah i was yeah, picturing like a. Like a Bolton Game of Thrones flag, just like a yeah, flayed out black weird. widow suit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a mannequin, of course. Enough. That makes sense.
2: <laughs> that would actually be kind of crazy. like that could be funny. <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah, there's so many, especially like now that technology has like improved so much in terms of like CGI, everything. Like, I, yeah, I don't know how many things and especially because I'm not like super up with like what has been CG'd and what hasn't in like every single
1: Marvel
2: film but like so many of the super iconic things now we don't do in person yeah like the, a Spider-Man suit that's so all of Tom Holland's clips he's like not right <laughs> it's,
1: it's all, it's all... yeah exactly it's all computer animated
2: yeah um so that you see that are museum exhibit stuff it's all
1: like more like older things it's like from more classic like 80s yeah i like, like movie shows and stuff older models i guess in a way yeah so when you're if you for example if you go to this marvel universal superheroes exhibit to see the shield um well this is a moot question because it says specifically it was from avengers endgame but yeah. how would you know exactly that that's what you're seeing? It's like, yeah, this yeah. is a shield, but this was like the shield that was that like the real prop was, crop was it the designed one they they were after. Shooting? Is it
2: one that they just used for photos? Like
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: That's and I I think with that that kind of boils down to like the museum itself and how much trust you can put in the museum to display like something that's like I don't want to say authentic but like to display the real thing so I think that so like if a museum like the Smithsonian exhibited like something that they were claiming to be like, the actual Captain America shield, and it turned out it wasn't like that would be a big thing I think but if some tiny museum in the middle of nowhere displayed something that claimed to be like a real shield for the movie, they probably wouldn't get anywhere near as much backlash if uh-huh. that turned out to not be real. But yeah, I do think that it kind of, yeah, like you have to rely on the museum to be telling the truth.
1: Yeah. Which, which you're right, with trending. reputable museums, you can trust it. Yeah, um, or
2: like you can at least trust the fact that, like, if it wasn't, it would be a big deal. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
2: And there would be some backlash.
1: So, I don't know if you heard, but after the Netflix Daredevil series mm-hmm. ended, there was an online auction for all those props.
2: I did not hear
1: about that, but... So, like, where... And it's, that's Disney, too. So, yeah. where do you think you would draw the line between props being museum-worthy or selling the props for a profit? Yeah. So,
2: since I come from an anthropologist background, I'm very much in the camp of like, well, everything is technically museum worthy for some reason or another. It'll tell a certain story. Yeah.
1: It's Um, still documenting a part of like cinematic history.
2: I'm very much of the opinion that like you can put pretty much anything in a museum and create a narrative around it. Whether or not people want to go visit that narrative is an entirely different story. Mm -hmm. But I think you can definitely... Like, the idea of things being museum-worthy or not has been a thing, like, ever since museums have existed. But it's definitely...
1: (laughs) Indiana Jones.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Or, like, I mean, even if you look through the museum collections, even, um, or, like, I've had a lot of classes with people that were taught by people that work at the museum, and one of the big things was, like, okay, tourist items. For a long time, those weren't considered to be museum worthy things and if a collector donated like a tourist object it was seen as like less valuable because it wasn't authentic but what makes it less authentic like it was still made and it was made for a purpose yeah but just because it wasn't made for the person to use it and it was made especially in the case of a lot of things in our collection by Native Americans to sell to dumb white people <laughs> um, like what at what point do you decide that that's not worthy of like being part of its own history?
1: Yeah. It's still valuable. It just depends on who it's valuable to.
2: Yeah. And I think the thing that a lot of like a corporation like Disney might not, like they might prefer to sell things because then you're going to get money for it. Whereas if you have it in a museum, If you just donate it to a museum, it's not necessarily going to generate profits for you. Yeah. Unless you decide to charge money for that museum. Or, I mean, in the case of Disney, they would probably have it be, like, at one of their parks, I would assume. I mean, I don't know for sure, but...
1: That's true, yeah. That's a good point.
2: But then it's not like being able to visit that, they would jack up ticket prices. So, I don't know. I don't pretend to understand.
1: Or it's like their props accidentally get mixed up with their merchandise and go to the Disney store. <laughs> Somebody
2: accidentally buys the like, real Captain, the America Captain America shield. Captain America shield. They're like, oh, this one's way heavier. Than <laughs> right? Like, Can you
1: imagine? <laughs> it's like some parents aren't, aren't paying attention to what their kids buying and just yeah. buy him the actual like, shield. All right, fine. <laughs> what if
2: like? He's smuggling the Declaration of Independence out of an event, and so he buys, like, a second one, because the woman thinks he's trying to steal one of the fake ones from the gift shop.
1: Exactly, yeah.
2: (laughs) Uh, Great scene, great movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's all, like... Yeah, so I come from, I come at these things, like, from a very, like, anthropological way of thinking about objects, where I'm like, yeah, like, one of my professors, um, like, he was doing his PhD in Oxford, <laughs> he told us that the museum, so when people, like, go out to the Pitt Rivers Museum, which is the anthropology museum there, it's like, they're like, yeah, bring back some stuff, and they expect, like, a little box and he brought back, like, so much stuff, and they were like, we don't have space for this. <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> wow. Yeah, but it was, I thought all of it was valuable. But he's very, like, into material culture type things, so it makes a lot of sense for him. But, <laughs> yeah. So, I think that, like, I mean, I was thinking about this earlier today. I think a really neat exhibit could even be, like, especially for a movie like Black Panther, or, like, and I know this isn't Marvel, but like Wonder Woman. Um, obviously they have a lot of things like props, costumes, background stuff in movies like that that have been inspired by like actual objects that exist in museums. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking it would be really cool to have some sort of exhibit where you have like the objects that inspired it next to like the comic books. Yeah. Um, Sketches or like objects that are similar to the ones that inspired it. Or, like, the costumes and stuff. I think that would be really cool.
1: That would be really cool. And, like, for Thor, you could combine a Norse mythology museum with, like, Thor props.
2: Yeah, there are plenty of Viking archaeological sites. And there's plenty of Viking-centric museums that I'm sure somebody could put together. Right. (laughs) Some sort of, like, really cool exhibit about, like, the, like, history behind like behind door or even i think even moving away from objects too and this was something that i was like oh this could be like
1: just put the actors like, in the museum
2: uh, out of left field but it's something like a natural history museum or a science museum you could do like the science behind superheroes
1: yes i would be all about that
2: yeah where you want to look at like okay here's like i mean a lot of marvel dc they all come up with these like new elements like you have vibranium and all of these things
1: adamantium Um,
2: yeah there's i mean there's the time one is it in iron man 2 where tony stark builds a mini hadron collider in his basement
1: (laughs) yeah
2: like you can there's so much stuff you can talk about that's not even necessarily to do directly with like props and stuff that I think could make really interesting exhibits and start really interesting conversations, like get kids into things, that like get kids into science that maybe wouldn't necessarily be super in science.
1: Definitely. Like,
2: Here, superheroes and science.
1: I remember... All-
2: Aquaman. Talk- I mean, Aquaman's not Marvel either. But oh, it's fine.
1: About, we like, deviate.
2: The ocean. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of ways that you can take things that don't necessarily need to be centered around, like specific props because especially now that so many things are cg it's not necessarily going to be something that happens in the future where you can actually get like a physical like suit you might have to talk about it in a very different way
1: the iron man exhibit can actually be holograms
2: <laughs> yeah well and there's like museums are doing like kind of experimentally, some of them are with like using like virtual reality-ish, and, like, a lot of animation and things, I went to a really, really cool exhibit in London that was, like, almost entirely animated to tell a story about animals that live, that have lived in London, or oh, wow. that is now London, and it was so cool, it's one of the coolest museum exhibits I've ever been to, because it was so immersive, and, like, you could go in and, like, I don't know, I just thought it was so cool yeah and that's 100 percent something that you can do with superheroes that would be so fun
1: yeah it would you
2: know, you know, a lot of people i think a lot of people would be into it too and not just me who likes museums
1: you could combine a bunch of aspects with that like a virtual yeah. reality game or like museum where you're flying around in the iron man uh, yeah, like you outfit are a superhero. but then as you if you have to like attack something it says like repulsor rays made from yeah. like the science yeah. or mechanics behind it.
2: There's so many like different ways that you can take things that don't necessarily have to be centered around like crops or objects, which I think is kind of a cool way that museums are headed in general, but yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is really cool. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I just thought that would be something that would be really neat too. Cause like I'm very much like, I really like objects and I really like, Really into history as well as anthropology and everything, so I really like going and looking at physical things. But I think it's also very much becoming a reality, and not even like necessarily just for like things to do with comic book films, too. Like objects are like nothing is meant to be permanent, so eventually, like these things aren't going to exist anymore. So,
1: yeah, eventually, it'll be in a museum
2: <laughs> yeah so yeah i don't know that's just those are just some things that i was thinking about i don't know i was also thinking about like the fact that different types of museums would definitely display very different things mm-hmm. so and we kind of talked about this earlier but i mean specifically in the comic book context i think like an art museum Would look at very different things than like a history museum versus like a museum that specifically focuses on like pop culture
1: right like an art museum would look at the the artwork from black panther like the designs and the walls yeah or uh, even
2: just like the specific comic like the actual comics themselves like they probably if like an art museum was going to have an exhibit on comic books they would probably have something that was like specifically about the drawing styles or maybe about costume design in
1: movies. And that's uh, actually that's a huge... Book... That's a huge, um... Like, draw for, um... Comic book fans. Yeah. Like, it's, it's its own little niche in the comic book world that people follow certain artists... Yeah. Or Yeah, certain drawing styles. Yeah, definitely. Like, and,
2: like, I know... Like, so many art museums have so many different things that like, different themes, even, that, like, and they all have, like, very, like, an art museum can have a whole bunch of different things. Like, it's a museum that really, like, can almost do whatever, because you can kind of turn, what it, like, anything into art if you try hard enough, and if you put yeah. right your
1: next to it, so. I think things it was watching Black Panther that the concept of steam instead of stem really sunk in because watching that movie i saw all of that like african inspired art in the background like in the lab and i thought like that's i get it steam
2: yeah yeah i know it's like there's so many things and there's so many little things and obviously there's a lot more that i think the directors and like art directors probably were putting into it than like your general audience member got out of it like during one viewing, too. So I think stuff like that, like, film exhibits have been around for, like, since film existed. So, and there's so many different things you can do with that, too. Just like, I remember I was at the Now Museum of Health Colter, was on the EMT, and they had a whole exhibit about, like, horror movies, and, like, what do, like, why do you like horror movies? Why? Like, what are the different things that like different like tropes in horror movies represent as like societal fears? And you could definitely spin that, I think, in a way towards like comic book movies too, where it's like why do
1: you like superheroes? Oh, okay, I get it. I was thinking a museum exhibit itself could be the progression of uh, superhero movies, yeah. especially with Marvel because like phase one everyone complains that they were all like cookie cutter plot lines they progressed into more elaborate villains and now they're branching into different genres like the next dr strange movie is going to be a horror movie
2: yeah well and i also think i mean even like looking at dr strange in and of itself is like so interesting like you could probably do a whole thing just on like dr strange and the various like political ideologies that have been behind like changes from the movies
1: from the oh yeah
2: and stuff like that like I mean pretty much every like it's such a rich genre with so many different things that you can talk about that I mean I wouldn't be surprised if coming into the future especially now that like the Avengers especially is kind of like wearing down after Infinity War and ending like I wouldn't be surprised if we started to see a lot more things in museums like a museum of pop culture or something that are talking about like superhero movies and like an evolution of them, why we like them. But I think it's
1: still
2: like one of the most popular conferences.
1: Maybe, maybe I'll start that bandwagon. I'll just turn my bedroom into a a Marvel museum. I'll put every piece of merchandise I have out. I'll charge like $2.
2: Even, like, the little tiny merchandise stuff, that ends up in museums. Like, there's a Pez dispenser in the Smithsonian yeah. on display <laughs> in American history. Like, you can, like toys that were originally, like, super cheap can end up being, like, in a museum because they represent, like, something much bigger than just, like, a single action figure, too.
1: Right. And I, I have to admit, I'm a bit of a hoarder when it comes to Marvel things. And, like not in a crowded way cuz they're all just kind of in storage in yeah. somewhere cuz i don't have room for everything but yeah. i will i consistently pick up new merchandise or even if i found like oh yeah things at yeah. a tag sale i'm like oh i need this because of the yeah. cultural significance yeah no definitely
2: like i mean i don't do the same thing with like Mar- but like my walls are basically just like It's garbage that is on my walls, basically. I have a lot of things that are, like, pamphlets that museums give you that they expect you to, like, recycle when you're done. No, they are pinned up on my wall. I've got so many, like, museum maps that were not intended to be used in the way that I use them. But, yeah, like, there's definitely something to be said for, like, these kinds of personal things that, like, aren't, they aren't, like, the Captain America shield from the movie, but... Like they demonstrate kind of the broader cultural significance of these things because it's something that so many people like wanted. To have.
1: Sorry, it, they demonstrate what? Can they you repeat demonstrate,
2: that? Like a broader cultural significance, I think, of the movies than just like having the shield. Like the shield's cool, but having a whole bunch of like examples of things like people were going out of their way to like spend their money on like.
1: Marvel-themed goods. Right, yeah. Exactly.
2: Because they wanted to be a part of, like... They wanted to be a part of this, like, movement.
1: Yeah, so not only can these exhibits show the historical context, but also the societal context or implications.
2: Yeah. Yeah, societal impact, societal context. I mean, even when you're talking about superheroes in general, like, I think it's something... Like culturally that can be super significant because, I mean, the first the people who first published Superman, like, it's two Jewish men publishing a comic right before World War II, like it's like Captain America, especially, like these things have broader significance than just being like a fun thing for people to read or for people to watch too, so I, yeah. think I find
1: stuff
2: like that very interesting,
1: but And not really this isn't really a museum um exhibit because you can't presume not yet you can't put people in museums but yeah um like we hear news stories all the time about like this person's gonna play the first latina superhero or yeah things like that
2: i'm pretty i would not be surprised if there's something in um like african-american history and culture that talks about Super. actually yeah there is in their film section there's a bunch of stuff about like black superheroes stuff like that like that's so like it's something that I, it makes headlines now it probably wouldn't have made headlines in like the 40s yeah <laughs> but it's such a big like superhero movies and stuff are such a big part of the cultural consciousness now that it's a big deal for people to be like I'm in there too
1: yeah. Did I ever tell you about the paper I wrote for my history class?
2: I don't think so.
1: Okay. So, it was it was back in high school, AP US history, mm-hmm. and our final paper, we had to choose a decade of American history and pinpoint two um two like activ- two events that took place within the decade and argue why that was the most important decade in American history based on those two events. Yeah. So you know, people chose like World War Two, but like yeah. giant world-changing yeah. events. No, no, I chose as my two events. I did nineteen fifty-three to sixty-three. I think my two events were the issue of Captain America released where he's punching Hitler on the cover. Yeah. And it went up to nineteen sixty-three with the release of X Men. And. Well, yeah, because I mean, and also like a metaphor for racism. Yes. Or any segregatory, is that a word? Segregation, (laughs) you know what I mean. Um, Segregation (laughs) event in society. Yeah. Like, now it translates into the LGBTQ community and immigration. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, racism too. uh, Magneto is Jewish and a
2: Holocaust survivor.
1: Like, huge. Yeah, (laughs) exactly.
2: There's so many things that I think comic books touch on that I think can be a really important part of telling, like, our, in America at least, like, our cultural story and our history that aren't necessarily, like, it doesn't necessarily need to just be in a museum or even an exhibit that's built, that's themed around comic books, even. You can bring that up in exhibits that are about, like, that are about immigration, that are about segregation, that are about these big, like, events that have happened. Right. And I think, like, and this is a little bit off topic, but this is something that, like, I've been super interested in since it came out. But I mean, there's that whole museum scene in Black Panther where Killmonger, like, goes to a museum that is very clearly supposed to be, like, the British Museum. The way that the museum is designed on the outside is exactly what the inside of the british museum looks like Uh so and he goes in and there's a bunch of things that are first off he a black man is followed by security more closely than anybody else um he's looking at objects that are from like his people that have been misidentified and the like white female curator is talking to him about it, and is basically just discounting everything that he has to say, which I think is so, like, that was a really, for me, as somebody who is interested in museums and now, like, studies them, that was something that I was like, yes, that is something that museums and self need to talk about more, too. Mm. So, I just thought that, that was really interesting, and it kind of flips the script from we've been talking about, about comic books in museums to museums in comic books and yeah. in, like, comic book movies because like that was like a like that was our introduction really to who became the main villain and it's all about him like wanting to know more about his culture. So I thought that, that was like I love that scene. There's a really, really good article that was written back when the movie came out. I mean if you Google like Black Panther why should museum professionals care? Like, it'll show up. But it's a, stu- a student at John Hopkins. I think that wrote it. And it's really, it's, I thought it was really good, And it's basically about how museum professionals to pay attention to that student in particular because it kind of demonstrates like a wider, a wider issue about how marginalized communities view mm-hmm. museums that I think we be more also i just
1: like it when museums get like meta and self-critical so yeah and um you're right on the flip side we like we just talked about how comic books and the movies have such a mm-hmm. wide-ranging impact on society um so they could also use their platform to like a, to guide a societal way of thinking i guess yeah like, I've always wondered why Storm, the X-Men, has never tried to tackle climate change.
2: Yeah!
1: Right? Like, if that's a I really...
2: That would be right, right
1: there. I mean, I, I get that her storyline has always revolved around, like, fighting against robots trying to kill her entire race. <laughs> um, but with going along that societal impact line, like, climate change is a very heavy and important topic today and if yeah. they could tackle that and use what society is thinking i don't know where i'm going with this but you get what i'm trying to say
2: yeah no absolutely because i do think that as such a big like comic books are both a reflection and i think museums similarly to a reflection of how people in like a certain society view certain issues but they can also help shape how as well yeah
1: that's what it i argued a very, in
2: like push-pull type thing but i mean you look at people talk about like first like your first black superhero or like your first like there's really like big moments that have been like when you're like a couple decades out point back to those things and be like oh that demonstrated a shift. i mean in star trek when uh it had the first interracial kiss on television. Mm-hmm. And people point back at that and they're like, that was a big shift in the cultural narrative about race and interracial relationships and everything. So, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, I'm also very interested in how... I'm interested in how like other types of media present museums, and so I thought that that was really interesting in Black Panther when that was when a museum is depicted in a very different way than I think most of the times people think about museums when they think about them in terms of, like, museum stuff. Because, like, the other times that I've seen museums in, like, artifacts or iconic movies, it's been, like, a place where something's getting stolen. (laughs) Or, I mean, in the, like, recent Wonder Woman movie, like, she works at the Louvre. Right. So which i thought was really really interesting but yeah it's always like a museum is always seen as a very like static place i think in a lot like most media like most of the time when people are going to museums it's because they're indiana jones and that's where they're starting or (laughs) it's because they're stealing something from the museum or like preventing something from being stolen from the museum like it's it's never seen as like a place that produces knowledge or like yeah. has an impact. But, and this is also partially because a lot of my reading for class this last week has been about people shaping knowledge. So that's very much on my brain right now. I just had to read like a hundred pages
1: about that. Yeah, and going back a little bit, I was going to say that's what I argued in my APO's history paper mm-hmm. that like X Men shaped the way people started to think about race are race in society because they started to see like oh these people are marginalized but they're just regular people yeah then they walked on the street like wait these black people are marginalized but are they just regular people too
2: yeah (laughs) using like stuff like that as a metaphor for like things that are happening in i mean i think science fiction and like even fantasy have always been genres That people use as metaphors to talk about like what's happening right now or when they're writing and yeah you look at it and you can very clearly make parallels I mean Lord of the Rings you read it and you're like oh this is a very anti-war piece of media Mm. and it's because it was being written like during World War two to send like Tolkien was writing parts of the story to send to his son who was fighting, but also, like, he was
1: writing because he didn't want there to be these big wars anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really interesting dynamic between society and media and museums. Yeah. Like you said, a very push-and-pull dynamic. And, as yeah, now that you've mentioned it, it's really cool to see a changing perspective of museums from static to dynamic, like what we were yeah, talking about. Yeah, and I
2: about. actually, I really hope that this is something that comes up a lot more in like most media forms, uh, that like people start to think more about museums as not just like a place that has a lot of old things, and those old things can be taken, like, and especially like, I mean, I was talking over the summer during my internship, um, uh, a couple of us were joking, uh, my boss is like, yeah if you look at movies that take place in museums like you would think that my job is just to like go to balls every day and like occasionally be like held hostage by somebody (laughs) trying to steal jewels (laughs) but like it's actually like that's not the reality of working in a museum or anything like it's not i don't know it's very it's very interesting to see like kind of shifting ideas. And I also think that, especially in Black Panther, it as like, if you're looking for it, like, you're like, oh yeah, that's the British Museum. This is specifically a commentary on, like, how the British Museum has had a direct hand in, like, destroying parts of Africa. Uh-huh. So.
1: I think we can even see this kind of dynamic in this episode of our podcast, because at the beginning I specifically said, like, Museums are viewed as having old things. And yes. then I think our, if you were to look back at this podcast, you would see that our turning point, like that multiracial kiss on Star Trek yes. was talking about the DS. Yeah. Cause then we started moving into modern yeah. topics.
2: And that's, I mean, there was, there has been a big shift in even how museums think about themselves kind of around like the nineties ish. Um, so a lot of newer museums are being very like postmodern in how they do things, and it's a very different feel than a lot of more like traditional museums. And I think it's really cool. Like I'm all for like the new wave that seems to be how museums are going. Um, and I think the National Museum of the American Indian is a really good example of that. So. I, like, it's my favorite Smithsonian Museum because it is, like, you go in and you can just tell that there's, like, respect there for the objects that are being displayed and the stories that are being told and, I don't know, I just, I love it, but I can see why people who are expecting a much more, like, traditional museum experience maybe wouldn't like it Mm -hmm. and would be like, I don't understand why we're Like, not talking about these things. I don't understand why we are talking about some of the things that we're talking about. Like, I don't know why. Like, why are we watching animated stories about creation myths? I don't get it. But I absolutely love it. And I think that it'll be really interesting to see how museums kind of go in the future about how they're going to display things. And I definitely, I think that looking at ways just like pop culture will be super interesting because there's not necessarily the same like bad history as there has been with like museums and native americans mm-hmm. but it's like i'm just really excited to see where things go it's a very for me at least exciting field to be in right now
1: yeah i definitely see that i think that we should take this audio file of this podcast and bring it to the marvel universe of superheroes exhibit yeah i think one day that this conversation will be in a pop culture museum
2: it should
1: be or as we've talked about any museum that covers that relates in any way to this medium
2: and i do think that it's really interesting because most of the stuff that like i look at and that i'm interested in is like very far removed from current pop culture like my undergrad degrees are in anthropology with a focus on archaeology and classics which is like the furthest, well, not necessarily the furthest, because there's a lot of, like, impact on Greek mythology and stuff on pop culture, but, like, so far removed from, like, today in terms of, like, nobody really needs to learn ancient Greek. I mean, I think that there are reasons that people should learn ancient Greek, but I can also see the arguments for why people are like, I, why did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I really... I think that it could be a really interesting, like, mix. I
1: don't know. Yeah. No, it's definitely an exciting field. And um, very exciting to see this, again, to use the word dynamic. I felt like I've used that word a lot. But this dynamic between pop culture, comics, superheroes, and museums, and society. (laughs) All of this.
2: Well, I also think that something that, so at least at Natural History there's been a big, like,
1: talk about Real, a climate
2: change and, uh, there's a big move about wanting to talk about climate change in particular, too, so I do think it would be really interesting to talk about, like, superheroes and climate change, too. Because I do think that there could be, like, there's a lot of potential there that isn't necessarily being covered at the moment. Yeah. But... I am very excited to see where things go.
1: Definitely. And again, like we talked about guiding people's thoughts. In a time where science, for some reason, is questioned above politics.
2: Yeah. It would help
1: guide a public discussion and public thought.
2: Yeah. And not even necessarily, like... Because I don't even necessarily want to use the word guide because I don't want to sound like... I want to, like, control what people think, but also, like, climate change is a reality, and uh, we should maybe pay attention to science and not question it as much, but I do think that, like, at least presenting things that people can relate to, I do think that, like, a lot of people, and I say this as somebody who, like, one of my parents does, like, climate science stuff. Not always, people who are very, very good at science are not always very, very good at communicating that.
1: That is a huge issue in the science field.
2: Yeah. So I think if you then put that in a medium that, I mean, more people are willing to read. Like, more people, I think, are willing to, like, pick up a comic book or something than they are to pick up, like, a journal article about,
1: (laughs) like... (laughs) Science, yeah.
2: Hey! temperatures are rising like so i do think that that's something that is another like cool new field or cool new avenue maybe for something like comics to explore which could be like i mean back in um when was captain planet thing? i don't even know what captain planet was was he just a tv show was he associated with one of our big I don't even know.
1: No, I think it's just a TV show.
2: He's just his own thing. I think so. He's not part of the uh, Marvel universe.
1: No. I mean, Disney they will probably buy one. the property soon.
2: They should get one.
1: Yeah. Caitlin, should we should write a Captain comic book.
2: Atlantic.
1: We yeah, should it's ra- yeah. It's just
2: own, its own thing. <laughs> Fun. Learning all sorts of things today. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, not that. There's already, like, more superheroes. I mean, even in, like, Marvel than I know about because (laughs) I don't have the time. But, like, you could also, like, they could introduce new ones. Absolutely. Like, they could make their own Captain Planet. Yeah. Their own person.
1: It's it's funny when you read comments and articles, um, articles like those things where it's like, this person is the first black asian superhero people are like why don't they make their own or come up with new heroes it's like
2: yeah
1: there's been so many new heroes in the last few years miss marvel miles morales america chavez and yeah
2: it's like um, they have come up with new ones but also (laughs) is it really that bad if you take one of the like hundreds of hundreds of white superheroes and you make one of them black (laughs) but also what i've noticed a lot is as soon as somebody like mentions something like that people there's always like a certain brand of like commenters that are like why are you politicizing comic books and it's like they've always been political
1: yes they have
2: like you would be hard-pressed to find a form of media that was not created that isn't inherently political
1: I, yeah even dr seuss books
2: yeah the Lorax. uh-huh <laughs> like it's like everything because i think art in like art as a like thing is inherently a comment on a person's experience and the society that they live in so like you cannot divorce that from, polit- from being political, no matter how much, like you might want it to be.
1: Yeah. But well, this yeah, has been, that this has been an amazing discussion. Yeah. Um, I think we do need to wrap up. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to make people listen to like two hours of me
2: just like going on about museums because as much as I love to talk about <laughs> them, not everybody loves to listen to that for hours. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Is there anything else that you'd want to add?
2: Um, I don't think so. Just, I don't know, support your local museums.
1: Good advice.
2: Yeah.
1: I also, I second that. And.
2: Support yeah, your small ones, your local ones. They want people to come
1: in. And the same for your local comic shops. Yeah. Because.
2: We're independent businesses.
1: Yeah, museums are like a a snapshot of what happened in society at a certain time, but your local comic shop is that too. It's, you know, it's, it's your community. So go support it. Support your your local businesses,
2: support your local
1: community. Go buy house of X and powers of 10 at your local comic shop and whatever other comics are out there that I'm not reading. (laughs) Um, Yeah, awesome. Before we sign off, I just have a couple of announcements related to the podcast, so bear with me, Caitlin. I will. Um, First is about that poster random drawing that we did. I appreciate everyone's support so much. We got so much attention for that random drawing. However, only one person followed the rules, and that was our own co-host, Connor. Connor. And we didn't exactly specify that we weren't allowed to participate. So, congratulations to Connor. He is getting the poster. Um, For pictures of the poster, you can find it on our Instagram and Twitter pages. At Marvel Therapy Group and at Therapy Marvel Marvel for Twitter. Uh, Speaking of, you can find us on those platforms, Twitter and Instagram. So, the other announcement is that we... If you haven't noticed, I've been taking more frequent breaks, and it's because with four hosts, life really gets in the way. So after episode 50, we have decided not to renew our Podbean subscription. That's not to say that we will not come back at any point, but we are taking a hiatus as Marvel Therapy Group. So tune in for the last three episodes, including this one, and we'll be sure to make them good for you. So, Caitlin, thank you for your time.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: And um, do you have any papers under your name? Any published papers? I
2: don't, but that may change in the future. Yeah,
1: so keep an eye out for Caitlin Cook.
2: Yeah, if you want to, you can Google me. You can see an old picture of me on my university's webpage.
1: (sighs) Perfect. Go for it, (laughs) listeners. All right. This was Joe and...
2: And Caitlin.
1: And... This has been another episode of Marvel Therapy Group, so thank you for tuning in, and I hope you, I really hope you enjoyed this, because I think this is, like, one of, if not our best episodes so far. This got so deep, and
2: I had a great time. I
1: loved it. Yeah. Bye, everyone.
2: Bye!
0: Thank you for tuning in to this week's Marvel Therapy Group, where together we can work through our comic thoughts and learn to live beside them. Views expressed are of the host only and do not reflect Marvel Studios or comics in any way. Hosts are in no way qualified to provide therapy. This is simply the name of the podcast. This has been another Marvel Therapy Group session.